Tracy and this is Caleb my son and you just watched uh, a little reel on our time recently at the outpouring at Asbury University and I'm just so grateful for the opportunity today to come and share with you our experience because when I was talking with Mary and she's like we're we're all just wondering you know and and I was too and so today I'm just excited to share with you the good news of of what Caleb and I had an opportunity to experience there in Wilmore and I come with good news there is hope and blessing that is coming we are entering and have entered into a season of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and he is drawing near uh, when I, I'm actually a, a graduate of Asbury Seminary and I have a uh, quite a few friends who still live in Wilmore, and so as many of you may have heard on February 8th, on Wednesday, the university students simply went to their typical 10 o'clock chapel service. Nothing grand, just going through the usual, and at the end of the message, there were about 20 university students who just stayed behind and they had a heart to just continue crying out to God and lingering there. And 30 minutes passed, they were still there. Hour passed, still there. And more and more students, within hours, there were hundreds of students who left classes and came back into the uh, Hughes Auditorium there. We began to get texts from our friends saying, have you heard? There's a chapel service at Asbury University that hasn't stopped yet. You see, you got to understand, those of us who, who have been in Wilmore, who have been a part of the Asbury community, there has been a long history of outpourings of the Holy Spirit. And so we kind of stepped into that, that river of, of God that flows, that just blesses that little spot of the earth. And so when we hear the rumblings, all of us have these antennas out, right? And so our friends were saying, ah, it could possibly be another visitation of the Holy Spirit. And so our antennas were, we were listening, and a friend of mine said, I'm leaving to go to Florida in an hour. My house is yours if you want to come. So I gave Caleb a phone call. He's a second year student at University of North Carolina at Charlotte. And I had heard by that time that because of those hungry students who stayed behind and pressed into the Lord, 
that because of them, there was something beautiful happening. There was a presence of God that was being experienced. And so I knew that there was a special blessing there that was happening to the younger generation, especially what we call the Gen Z, 25-ish and under generation. So I immediately called Caleb. I said, Caleb, what do you think? He says, I want to go. And so within 24 hours, we were in Wilmore. And we arrived the last three days of this two-week continual outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So we actually got there on the days that were kind of at the climax. I think uh, one of the drone uh, the flyover drones that did a count was at least 50,000 people had come from all over by that point um, to Little Wilmore, which is only a 6,000 population town. And so when, when we arrived, uh, we were just awestruck that the, the lawn out in the front between the, the university and the seminary was completely full. There were these two lines going on. And they looked at Caleb and said, Caleb, get in the line. And he's like, okay. They had a Gen Z line. They had two lines going on, lines for a, a line for the Gen Z, and then they had a line for those outside of Gen Z. And so the priority was on these young ones. And so when those doors opened, the Gen Z line would start going into the auditorium, and everybody on the lawn would start clapping, yes. And my eyes were opening. I was seeing a generation that I had not seen the way I was seeing them in that moment. And the masses of people that were there, I had this thought, this is like the days of Elijah, where Elijah said, no longer waver between two opinions. And I saw a people who were no longer wavering. I saw spiritual hunger. I saw a desperation in the masses of people that I have never witnessed. And there was a hope that just began to rise in my heart. I said, yes, it's happening here in America. It is happening. There is a hunger. There is a desperation that we're tapping into. And it was happening because of our young ones pressing in. The Lord also began to speak to me about those days of Elijah. That he, he started showing me that this, this is a time of preparing the altar. The altar of God. That the dew of heaven, as I looked out on these thousands of young ones worshiping in unison with great passion... It was like the dew of heaven had descended down. Great kindness and love. There was goodness of the Father that they were experiencing. It was a holy, holy thing. There was a reverence and awe that was there in the room. The dew of heaven. And in that kindness and goodness of the Father, there was a raging river of repentance, of humility, of confession, of worship, like I have not been a part of before. It was, it was unfiltered worship. It was, it was a, a pure, just a simple, stripped-down worship that was happening there. And so the altar, the prayer altar of God, like in the days of Elijah, I could see it. It was being repaired and restored. And then I noticed something else. 
is the spirit of Elijah draws the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. That's what I was seeing. He was restoring the family. All the generations were there. By this time, people were waiting nine, ten hours, driving from all over the country and other places of the world. They had strung out hammocks between trees. There were blankets on the, uh, on the, the lawn, children throwing footballs with big screens up of the worship service going on in Hughes, and others were repenting and crying. Others were worshiping. It was all happening at the same time. And it was a beautiful thing. There was a river of repentance, of cleansing. It was just amazing. And it was all the generations. And my eyes were being opened to this passionate group of young ones that were rising. And he was restoring the family, the fathers to the children and children to the fathers. That's what so impressed many of the testimonies from Gen Z was that we've never seen Men, uh, grandmothers and grandfathers, 80s, 70s and 80s, just weeping before the Lord. And next to them were little babies, whole families together worshiping. And so with that, I'd like for Caleb to just share with you, because he he was in Hughes the whole time. We kind of went separate. Uh, I And I'll share with my part a little bit later, but I was able to be behind the scenes and get in with the prayer ministry team. And Caleb was out with his bunch his generation experiencing God. So I wanted him to share a little bit of his part. It was really surreal. So I walked in with like no expectation and I just got chills because it was like my generation just worshiping God. And that first night I was there, Saturday night, uh, I got chills and God gave me a picture. And let me set the scene. So the embrace that a person from military coming home gets is like no other. So the scene is, we're at the beach, my generation. Jesus is out on the water, standing on top of the water. And my generation is wearing military suits and a life vest. And we're walking out into the water, ankle, knee, and waist deep in the Holy Spirit. And as we get to Jesus, he picks us up and embraces us and says, welcome home. And with that, I just want to read Galatians 25 through 27. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized in Christ, but now on Christ. So basically saying like, we're walking out into the world showing Christ through us. And another thing I noticed was it was structurally spontaneous. There was elders in the house that were leading us and praying over us, even though it was like all spontaneous. It was all works of my generation. Yeah, and that's where, that's where we came into play. Um, it was a great, great joy to be able to look out and see uh, the, the Gen Z and, and uh, you know, that, that whole group receiving from the Lord. And then there was, there was those of us, the spiritual moms and dads, <sighs> we were behind the scenes creating the safe place. By the time I had gotten there, there were every expression that you can imagine in uh, cultivating a home, in creating a safe dwelling place to host the presence of the Holy Spirit was in operation. 
I just happened to be uh, going into the prayer ministry team. Uh, of course, you got to understand, none of this was planned. The whole community at Wilmore had no idea this was going to happen. So by the time we got there, they had already been daily responding to what was happening. So there were hospitality rooms. Hospitality, the gift of hospitality was expressed on all levels, from, from people walking out on the lawn, handing out free food, to truck, trucks like stands, food stands, trucks, giving out free food. There was uh, snack rooms for the worship teams, for the prayer teams, for the speakers, everything. So hospitality was big. Then we had elders and ushers that were having to guard the doors, who were having to help get the seating and everything. And so I came into the prayer ministry team. By that time, they had already had to put some, some order and some boundaries in place because they had said at the beginning, uh, there was some, those who were, were praying for some of the college students in a way that was, it just, uh, it hurt. It hurt them. There was, there was some, some difficult settings that was taking place in the time of prayer. And so the, the community, the, the university seminary started responding to that. And they said, you know what? We're going to have to get some vetting in place here. We're going to say that whoever's on the prayer ministry team, that they have to be referred to by someone. And then whoever is on the prayer ministry team, we, we're going to have a training every day from 1 o'clock to 7 o'clock. So you're not going to get your prayer ministry tag until you are referred by someone who we know and also has gone through the training. The training was all about how can we, as ministers, as prayer ministers, respond and interact as the Holy Spirit is, in kind with the Holy Spirit, who is being gentle and good and kind to this generation. And so from there, I was sent out uh, to all the different venues. I actually covered most of the venues while I was there. Um, we, would, we would come in uh, report in and they'd say, okay, uh, right now we need some people praying. We need extra prayer ministers over at the seminary chapel or, you know, and the prayer request that from my, in my experience was the full spectrum from newborn babies coming into the kingdom who had no church experience at all. A little 15-year-old girl came up, uh, and, the, and the prayer altar was open all the time. It kind of reminded me, in a strange sort of way, kind of reminded me like of Chick-fil-A drive-through. It was, it was lanes. It was always open, and it was three and four people deep. And then we would have this, this leader would say, okay, you go over here to this one, you go over here to this one. And this was at every single venue. And people were lined up at every venue in the overflow venues. And so I had this little 15-year-old girl. She was sitting. She had a hood on, and she had her uh, whole body covered in this large sweatshirt. And she was shaking. I knew that she was crying, weeping, weeping. I bent down, and I said, how can I pray for you? She says, I just want to meet Jesus. I just want to meet Jesus. And I said, he's here. Welcome home. It was that easy. The hunger, the desperation, the outpouring of repentance that was coming among those that were there. It was just, as a prayer minister, it was just a matter of agreeing. I would say, How, what's your name? I'm, I'm Kevin, and where are you from? How can I pray for you? And he'd just start, you know, he'd just start telling me, well, I really want this, and I really need God, and I da-da-da. And, and I, all I had to do was agree and just say, 
I agree with that. That's a beautiful request. And then I just repeat that up because it was just pouring out of the hearts. From there, it went to many healings that, that we were a part of, uh, very desperate situations. Some of the, some of the prayer requests were, um, were very traumatic. And so the university had to put, put safeguards in place for that. If it was a very traumatic situation, like I, one of the, the, oper- the, the prayer times that I had, I had to call on the licensed professional counselor that was on campus at that time. We had to go into a private room. And from there, I was able to witness God transforming a young girl who had been very traumatized. So it was, it was just the full expression of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was everything, a complete demonstration of the gospel of Jesus Christ like a raging river. And so, so beautiful. Let me make sure. So, yeah, we were working together, Caleb's generation and all the spiritual moms and dads and those older, we were, we were working together. It was a reciprocation. And so, you know, the, the Lord says, he, he said to Abraham, he said, through you, I will bless. You're, through you, your seed, meaning Jesus Christ, will bless all the families of the earth. And so we were seeing the restoration of the generations happening. And so with that, I just, you know, I want to basically pose to you the same question that we had to ask ourselves. Um, how, how do we respond? How do we prepare? And how do we respond? In this season of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and it's happening now, it's going all over campuses, and I know you're hearing it, and it's, it's real and so how do we prepare and how do we respond? And so, Caleb, I, yeah, how would you like to share with that? I mean, I would like to challenge my generation. Like, is your group of friends, like, really Christ-fulfilling? Can, is, can you see Christ through your friendships? And if so, I would recommend to reconsider. And I'm going to do that myself, too. And another thing I noticed was prayer. Everybody needs prayer. Prayer shouldn't be measured. Whether I, I was thinking, I was like, there's people out there that need prayer way more than I do. Like, I have a, a bruised hand or something. But, like, everyone needs prayer. All you have to do is ask. Yes. And for us, I just, you know, God's been asking me, you know, uh, keep the heart pliable. I just I want to recommend too the Jesus Revolution movie if you haven't seen it. For those of us in my generation and all, uh, the Jesus Revolution is a reminder that we need to keep our hearts pliable because this is a new wine skin and it's going to require. I mean, it's a new wine being poured out and it's going to require a new wine skin. And so, yeah, I just want to encourage you in that way. And so, at this time, I'd like for Blake, my husband, Caleb's dad, to come up. And um, I'd like for him to pray for us in that, that way uh, and with the prayer of the prophet Habakkuk, Habakkuk 3.2 for us. Yeah, if you can put that scripture up. Uh, Habakkuk 3.2 says, I have heard about all about you, Lord. 
I am filled. With all. By your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again, as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. So would you join me in praying? We need God's mercy. Lord, we thank you for this time together. I say, come Holy Spirit. I ask you to speak to hearts right here. You know our times and seasons. You know the very geographical boundaries in which we live, even here, this morning, this place. Holy Spirit, come. I ask you to speak to hearts. Renew your works in our day and our time. Have mercy. Renew, refresh our UMC, this chapel, this community. Let it spread out from this place. Renew and refresh our nation. And may this good news continue to touch every nation until all nations, every tongue, tribe, and nation hear your good news and your love and that Israel would return to you and you would come back. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. The image of wading waist deep in the is something that I invite you to think of this week and this coming month. This month is the kickoff of the rest of the year of service, and it's called Serving Side by Side. And it's our time to really make it a priority to be together in missions. We are rallying this year around the scripture from Joshua 24. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And what that means is we want you to find someone you love and serve with them this year because that's what makes a healthy relationship, not just with the person you love, but with our, with our God as well. So it can be something as meaningful as dancing with your daughter, something as important as going to church with your son, something as meaningful as helping the families that have suffered the apartment fire furnish their house. We invite you to find something and be a part of it. Be a part of it with your time, with your gifts, with your support, and with your prayer. There are cards right here as you come up for communion. Grab this card because it's the list of names of families like the Statons, of nonprofits here locally and globally that are doing amazing work. And you support them with the gift and the pledge that you make today. And so thank you on behalf of the many things you've already done. It's time to write the next part of our story together. Again, you're going to see all of the names and there are ways for you to commit with your time and with your prayer as well. And so as we come to this time of communion, I want you to remember that this meal is a meal that unites us in a service way. So when we have this time of communion, it unites us to all the meals of family promise. It unites us to all the meals of the Drake house. 
It unites us to all the meals that Mary's having in Chile with all of the college students. This table is a direct connection of the communion of saints and all meals done in God's name. And we have the privilege of eating together today. So join me in hearing these words. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, for this is my body, which is given for you. So do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you, gave it to the disciples and said, drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. So do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Pray with me. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine and make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. And Lord, we thank you for the celebration of the many people who are outside their comfort zone doing your work. And so we thank you for all that is being done and the movement and the ripples that we can be a part of and help us too to work in kind with your spirit. We pray these things using the words, the confidence of the children of God saying, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, be done on earth as it is in heaven. So give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. <laughs>